What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome back to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, Go Away U Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 5 I've picked myself up from my weekend in Lincoln and are ready to participate. With such excitement, too. Uh, Happy to and be Blake. Here. And I don't know why I said and there because we also have U Street. Hey, y'all. All right, so, um, hi, everybody still living? We we doing okay? No. The sun yes. came up this morning. Someone. I I love how that's our 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 rallying cry is the sun came up. All right. Well, okay. We got to talk about it because Andy and I said we're not going to record a podcast when we get back to the hotel. We're going to go drink beer on Saturday. So we do need to talk about the game that happened in Lincoln. I'm going to turn it over to Street first because I was watching him in our Slack chats over the weekend, and I have a feeling he has thoughts. That was bad, wasn't it, y'all? It wasn't the best. Minnesota gave up 659 yards of offense. That means that Nebraska was averaging nine yards a play. They were also averaging nine yards a rush. They rushed for 383 yards. And they didn't rush for 383 yards because Nebraska is this somehow like miraculously incredible team. They're not Alabama. That's not to say they're bad, incidentally. And I don't want to be like, ooh, Herder, they're the best 1-7 team in the nation because that's a load of crap. But they are substantially better on offense. And they were hilariously and catastrophically bad on defense. And that's part of the reason why they were 0-6 going into this game. But they're not 659 yards of offense good. Again, not Alabama. And most of the reason that they were successful was uh, two very basic things, which were both scheme and structure. The first is that Minnesota's corners were playing at least 8 to 10 yards off every receiver. You will be shocked to know that Nebraska promptly did one second, one step drop, and immediately got the ball out for quick yardage all up and down the field. And secondly, because of that playing really far back bit, that combined with a very strange way of doing run fits, which seemed to be like, don't do run fits, meant that the edges were never set by the defense, allowing massive gashes on any outside run. But wait, you say, maybe they didn't have to run outside all the time, because if there is any motion whatsoever, the defense promptly forgets what the heck it's supposed to do allowing Nebraska to run it well. Nebraska ran both a Statue of Liberty and a fake Statue of Liberty play, and they both worked. Wait. Oh, yeah, okay, now I remember the Statue of Liberty play. They both worked. I don't remember the fake, but out of now the I remember same the Statue of Liberty play. The defense was so bad that you could legitimately call a fake Statue of Liberty play, and it was better than the real Statue of Liberty play. The only thing they didn't do in the game was a triple reverse, which honestly would have been awesome to see. I'm going to be real. 
That would have been great. This is not to say that the offense should, like, be absolved. The offense did have a much better time in the second half. Tanner Morgan played quite well in relief. The offense did make adjustments. I think in some sense part of the game, and I'm not a big believer in momentum, but I do very much believe that if the first touchdown to Rashad Bateman that was taken off the board because of a holding call stood, this game probably would not have been 53-28. to At least, if nothing else, Minnesota's number would have been much higher. I think that probably hurt the momentum of the football team in the first half. Zach Annex that got injured very late in the first half with some internal injury. One hopes that that is not going to be something that holds him out very long, though it strikes me as slightly unlikely that he should start with a short week and with the fact that Tanner Morgan played well. But if we're being real honest, if you score 28 points against an 0-6 team, you should win. Period. You definitely should not lose 53-28. to 28. All right, so that brings me to the obvious question that we asked each other relentlessly over the weekend. Is this the point where you just get ready for Rob Smith to be fired? Yeah. Is there, is there anything that involves, other than probably job-risking long-term, like at year four, job-risking, bad behavior, or uh, bad bad misplaced loyalty, I should say, from Fleck. Is there anything besides that that helps Rob Smith keep his job by the end of this year? No. These are, these are actually very simple yes or no answers. Here are some fun numbers. And granted, one can note that there is a problem with total offense as statistics and should care more about yards per play. And I agree with all of that. But these are nice big numbers, so I'm going to... Uh, going to these are the last four games that the defense has given up to offensive juggernauts, all of them. 432 yards on 51 plays against Maryland. And incidentally, Maryland like stopped really playing because again they were they ended up winning this game forty two to thirteen. And part of the reason why Maryland had short fields was because of some turnover problems on the offense. So that number would have actually been much bigger. Four hundred and twenty yards against Iowa, five hundred and four yards against Ohio State, six hundred and fifty nine yards against Nebraska. That trend line is miserable. Like Indiana, if they put 700 up on the board on Friday, be honest, would any of you be tremendously shocked? No. No. I'll say, well, I'll, I'll say yes. I don't think Indiana's offense is that good. Uh, but, you know, the way we played lately, I don't think 500 to 550 is out of the question. Indiana! <laughs> The, va- the, fact that, the fact that I can even say the sentence, hey, do you think Indiana is going to put up 700 yards of offense and we didn't promptly all go, ha-ha, that's a hilariously bad joke you just said? Rob Smith did not have a job anymore. No. I mean, you, you do have to remember, though, that Minnesota-Indiana games the last couple times have been just sort of really crazy. You know, the one few times we've actually played them thanks to the weird-ass Big Ten scheduling gods. But... I mean, remember the last time we played them down in Bloomington where it came down to the random backwards lateral that Aaron Hill picked up and recovered at the last second. Otherwise, we were going to lose magical. to Indiana then. I was at that game. That was... Wait, Bla- was wait, Blake, that, that, you were that. at that game? Yeah, I was there because I had a friend of mine who worked at Indiana, so I came to visit him for that game. 
And yeah, the, that first half was amazing. Second half, depressing. And then that final minute was just euphoric. This was before. This, this is, is all before we crazy. internet knew each other. So that's sad because Andy and I were at that game. But what could have been, you know? There could have been. There could have just been. You could have joined in the drunken revelry down at uh, whatever the hell that great bar downtown was called that had all the good craft beer that cost way more money than I realized it did until I got my bill. Yeah. You just think on that little sentence and then wonder how much money I spent. Trust me, you're underestimating it by about $150. It was a good night. I have... Well, let's let's not talk about my uh, tab this past <laughs> week. All right, here's a, here's, a, here's a serious question. The amount of money that you spent in Lincoln combined more or less than the amount of yards that Minnesota gave up against Nebraska? Less, because we found a decent deal on tickets. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking if there's any... Yeah, no, less. Also, you have to keep in mind that Lincoln, Nebraska is an absurdly reasonably priced town. And many of the people who live in that town are willing to give you free drinks simply because you're wearing the opposing team's colors. It's like an absurd version of Minnesota Nice where instead of just being nice to your face, they also force themselves to give you alcohol. It's wonderful. And I hope it never changes. There are, you know, plenty of annoying ones too, but I just let those people bounce off me as I go search, you know, for the people who are nice. Like Bob and Nancy, who sat to my left at the game, who are wonderful, wonderful people. Heart you, Bob and Nancy. And it is very much the truth that, you know, if we had been in any other Big Ten city after the crap we watched on Saturday, anywhere post-game, especially Madison, Iowa City, etc., we would have been just getting absolutely heckled and destroyed and roasted. I think I can count on one hand the number of times Nebraska fans actually tried to joke and make fun of us after the game. There were many, many more sort of, you know, conciliatory and saying, oh, it's okay, you know, whatever, whatever. But, um, yeah, the, their, their fan base is, uh, is a whole different breed than the majority Yeah, and of the don't get me wrong, like, they can be super, super annoying. I don't want to pretend that they can't be super annoying. But in general... I mostly applaud them for keeping their prices low and being nice to me and giving me alcohol. Good on you, especially when we get our asses kicked. Oh, wait, were we talking about the game still? Because I could talk about Lincoln for a while. Over the last eight games in conference, again, totally ours is a bad metric for reasons, but we're going to go with it anyway. Rob Smith's defenses are averaging, giving up around 450 yards a game. Like, I... We can make some mild bits about this. It is absolutely true that the team in general is pretty young, and certainly when you scroll outside, because like nine of the 11 starters on defense are upperclassmen, but the two deep is not all upperclassmen. There is quite a large number of people in the secondary who, if we're being honest, probably would not be the people you would expect to be starting. Antoine Winfield is not playing, and he's obviously the best player on the defense, but it is a catastrophic failure of unimaginable levels that one player goes down, that one player is a safety, and your entire defense crumbles. 
Because among other things, at some point, Antoine Winfield is going to graduate. He can't get hurt at Maryland every year. I mean, you say that, but, I mean, he could literally visit Maryland once a year and get injured. It's happened twice. I mean, it's not out of the question. All right. Okay. It does, all right. Does anyone want to keep Rob Smith? I'm waiting for one person to say it. Or, yeah, let, me, let me even step back. Does anyone have a single positive thing to say about Rob Smith? If not, we're moving on. Well, one thing I do want to mention is I was curious um, when PJ moved from Western Michigan to Minnesota, he retained most of his offensive staff, but none of his defensive staff. And I was curious what happened to his defensive coordinator from Western Michigan. I think his name was Ed Pinkham. Um, evidently, he went to was hired at UMass for the same position and took a gander at how UMass is doing this season defensively. Um, they're currently 2-6. and six. They've given up 55 points against Boston College, 34 to Georgia Southern, 63 to Florida International, 58 to Ohio, 58 to South Florida, and 24 to, like, Coastal Carolina. So it's it's quite possible PJ does not have the best eye for defensive coordinators. I'm just going to throw that out there. So um, that kind of concerns me. Umani Jones would discuss this about Kevin Sumlin a lot, so I'm going to straight up steal his line here and change a name. The best defense that P.J. Fleck has will also be his first good defense. Yeah, I think one thing that, I mean, I, I don't, Blake, you're, I don't blame you for having that opinion. I don't think there's anything to disprove it, and I think it's a reasonable thing to be concerned about. One thing I wonder is, I mean, Western Michigan's, his first HC stop, so, I mean, he doesn't have as big of a network, maybe he just lands a bad dude. Uh, second time out, I mean, I, I think we, for all being honest, the Arkansas stint didn't make Rob Smith look like a huge winner, so that is a little concerning that you would go, oh, hey, that dude who's doing terrible at Arkansas, and everybody wants him to leave, let's hire that guy. Um... But I, that could just be, you know, Rob, Rob was also in his network, so he could have trusted in knowing the dude when he shouldn't have. I don't say that means he's going to be able to hire a great DC for the next position, because he really should fire Rob Smith. Please, PJ Fleck, just fire Rob Smith. Um, I will also say, because I generally don't want people to like lose jobs and then not land anywhere, it would be really great if in the offseason Rob Smith decided to coach the linebackers in the NFL. Remember when he almost did? Yeah, and I'm I was I was totally fine with him doing that. And I'm a little bummed that the Greg Shiano thing fell. Yeah, through. go do that, Rob. That'd be fine. Alright, I want to get off Rob Smith. He depresses me, and we have better things to talk about than Rob Smith. Uh let's try to be slightly positive for a moment. Um, uh, because there actually, in my opinion, is something to be positive about, and it's the fact that the offense, despite being extremely young in so many positions, manages to continue to put up points even against teams where we wouldn't expect it. Now, I don't want to claim that Nebraska is anything on defense because they really aren't, and so putting up points on them really shouldn't mean too much. But they were able to do it on Ohio State, too, which was surprising. And in all cases, despite shooting themselves in the foot, they put themselves in a position to be in a game in the second half, which shouldn't have happened against Nebraska simply due to the fact that they went down as badly as they did in the first half. Do we think that the offense can continue to improve, to improve enough to balance out the bad defense and get to go for some more wins? 
Andy? You know, I mean, I think it's a, it's a fine line, unless you're talking about winning, you know, old school, late 90s, Big Ten shootouts, you know, what was that, 59-56 and things like that when they used to beat Purdue and Northwestern in the Dome. Um, you know, I, I think the offense is looking good and playing consistent enough. I think, you know, as we had talked in, in Slack earlier this week, they're playing at a well enough rate that I think if your defense isn't hot garbage, you're sitting at 5-2 and two instead of 3-4 and four right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to probably put up 35 points against Indiana, 35 points against Northwestern, 35 points against Illinois to get your three wins that you need to get to 6-6 six and six, um, and hope that the defense can somehow find a way to hold those teams to under 35 points. Um, you know, the run game is, is looking decent with, uh, with Ibrahim. Um, you know, it looked like we were going to be getting Shannon Brooks back and then maybe not getting Shannon Brooks back. And now maybe we'll find out later this week if we are going to get Shannon Brooks back again, uh, that might make a difference here down the stretch. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see Tanner Morgan looked pretty good in the second half. Um, after he came in, after Zach got hurt at the end of the first half, um, but his previous game where he played, he didn't look great at all. So um, if it, if Morgan has to play on Friday night, which, you know, it's tough to tell because P.J. Fleck doesn't like to talk about injuries at all, but it seems to be that's the trend that everybody's leaning. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Tanner Morgan shows up. If he can be effective and, and keep the Gophers in the pass game, then, uh, you know, I do have some confidence in this offense coming down the stretch. But if he's uh, if he's sloppy Tanner and just throwing the ball over the field and, and doesn't quite find that chemistry with uh, with the guys, it could be a uh, long night on Friday. Blake, uh, you see any positives out of the offense that, that make you hopeful at all? Uh, I mean, everyone loves this wide receiver core. I love this wide receiver core. I mean, you got Rashad Bateman, Chris Hubbin, Bella Tyler Johnson, even Demetrius Douglas got in on the action on Saturday. Um, I don't think there's any Gopher fan that's not excited for the wide receiver core. And I do think the offensive line is improving. Uh, Daniel Falele has been better than I really expected him to be, um, especially for this being what his third or fourth year playing the sport of football. Um, and he's only played in, what, three games so far this season. So I think he's been really good so far, uh, which is encouraging. Um, the quarterback situation is what concerns me because uh, I think the, with running back, you know, Mo Ibrahim, Ibrahim is pretty good, but he's just a little inconsistent because he, he's a redshirt freshman. Um, and the passing game to me has been what's carried the offense up to this point. Um, and if Annex heads out for a long period, I don't think – that gives me great concern because we you know we've seen this before where the backup quarterback comes in second half. You know, as as recently as last year, Demi Croft came in second half against Michigan State, went off, and then the following week struggled in his first start. Um, so I'm kind of tempering my expectations if Tanner Morgan is to start at this Friday. Um, I don't think we're going to see him maybe have the same success he did last Saturday when he gave the offensive spark. Just because it's, it's just a pattern that we've seen frequently. Everyone gets excited about one good second half, then he gets a first start naturally. He struggles so. Um, that'll be something to watch. Um, I'm hopeful that, you know, if Tanner's the quarterback for the foreseeable future, um, that he can kind of keep the momentum going, but I really just don't know what to expect from him at this point. And for me, I think this offense really revolves around the quarterback position, um, specifically under flex. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. What's well, kind of hilarious. Oh God, hilarious is totally the wrong word. What's interesting to me is that the quarterback, the passing game has been both, the biggest surprise and joy of the offense this season and still the biggest hindrance because 
I mean, that's where the mistakes are happening, if we're being honest. Uh, and that's not unexpected. I mean, you're, you have young quarterbacks. I get it. But if this team is going to survive on its offense, the mistake, the number of mistakes in the passing game have to come down probably significantly against some of the opponents we're going to face. Maybe not against Illinois because Illinois is still hot garbage, and for the love of God, do not lose to the hot garbage that is Illinois. Um, but it, well, this team, this team has frequently been down early too. Like you were, they're down one twenty-one, twenty-eight, zero against Nebraska. So the running game kind of goes away, and you're passing what, like forty times a game. And when you've got a true freshman quarterback passing four times a game, he's bound to make a lot of mistakes, which Anikstad has made his fair share of. So it's kind of like the, the defense is forcing them into an uncomfortable position, and obviously, you, more often than not, he's going to make a mistake. Yeah. <sighs> Rob Smith just. Just go away, please. Let us let us have hope that someone else will will do your job better. I'm I'm done with Nebraska. Anybody else want to keep talking about Nebraska as a team, as a game? I think we're good. Alright, so Well there's a different team that they're gonna play this Friday who wears red and white, correct? I think it's Crimson and Cream, but yes. I mean, it's red and white for us non-pretentious. We're talking about Indiana. They're Just pretentious. That's kind of how it goes. That's true. That's fair. All right, Blake, help us understand Indiana. Indiana, you know, we'd like to pay attention to them, but the Big Ten has decreed that we're not allowed to pay attention to them nor play them ever, so we don't pay attention or play them. Um, is there offense the kind of offense that will melt our faces and pray for our futures. I mean, the Hoosier offense alone does not give me anxiety, but the Hoosier offense against the go- this Gopher defense makes me very anxious. Um, they have Their quarterback is uh, sophomore Peyton Ramsey. Um, honestly, it reminds me a lot of Adrian Martinez, who – Obviously had a great game against uh, Minnesota on Saturday. Um, the way they're similar is just they're both dynamic athletes. I think Martinez is a little bit better of a passer. Um, Ramsey's just inconsistent, especially um, in terms of accuracy. But um, he's also a running threat. And uh, as we saw Saturday, uh, go with a little bit of trouble containing quarterbacks uh, with good legs. So, uh, But what really, really inspires the fear in me is the Hoosiers receiver core. Especially when I hear PJ Flack talking about how they are hesitant to go to nickel and dime packages because they just don't have the defensive backs. Um, Indiana's receiving core is just ridiculously solid. They've got, I think, seven receivers with at least 20 receptions, six receivers with at least 200 receiving yards, and eight receivers with at least one touchdown. That's all this, this season. I mean, the only thing holding them back, obviously, is Ramsey having some accuracy issues. If he was actually accurate, I mean, this Saturday, if the previous games were any indication, he'll have, his receivers will have 10 to 15 yards of cushion. So hopefully he you know, can somehow miss those throws. But um, that gives me serious anxiety because this hasn't been what I'd say is a prolific offense. They've been solid or effective, and I just worry that they're going to pick apart Minnesota on Saturday. I mean, the running game isn't terrible either. I mean, They've got their leading rushers, a true freshman, Steve Scott. He's kind of a big physical back um, who can cause a lot of problems for defenses that have problems tackling. Um, I don't know if you have any, you know any defenses uh, in Minnesota that ha- have that issue, 
um, unless you watch the game on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, this Indiana offense does give me uh, hard <laughs> hard brains going into Saturday or going into Friday. I mean, so uh, we'll see, I guess. On a scale of Rutgers to Alabama, how good is their defense? Uh, their defense, it's kind of the same story as Minnesota, um, but in just in a different way. You know, the first three games of the season, they're very solid. They're they needed to replace eight starters um, from a year ago, and they seem to they seem to have done that the first three games, including went over Virginia, who seems to be like surprisingly good now. Uh, although I'm not sure what to make of the ACC outside of Clemson, but Anyways, their biggest problem has been in the secondary, but it's, I don't think it's necessarily due to lack of bodies like Minnesota. Um, they just struggled in man-to-man coverage. I just don't think they have the athletes to uh, match up well against like formidable receiving course, which I hopefully I think Minnesota has a pretty formidable receiving course. So hopefully that they capitalize on that. Because I know in a two-week span, I think Indiana gave up 12 touchdowns in two games. One was Grand to Ohio State, the other was Iowa. Um, who somehow seems to have their passing game surpassed their running game. I don't know. Brian Ferentz working some magic there. But uh, the biggest problem for the secondary has been they so they run a 4-2-5, and they just haven't been able to um, generate a four-man pass rush, so they're constantly having to blitz, and the blitzes just aren't effective. I think they're – I think I saw an S&P Plus that they were ranked, like, in 90th or something in blitz success rate. Um, so they're just, they're just not able to get to the quarterback. Um, and they're, I mean, they're solid against the run, too. They're not, you know, they haven't had any awful games, but they're not going to shut you down completely. Um, but really, if I think Minnesota can have some success if the pass protection holds up um, and then they get some wide receivers open. Because I do think that um, Minnesota's had success with their wide receiving core, specifically against, you know, Iowa, their younger cornerbacks, and safety central matching up with um, go the Gophers athletes at wide receiver, which is. Something I never thought I'd say, especially during the kill era. But uh, so yeah, I think that there's some opportunity for the passing offense to do well, but I think it's going to be a lot of pressure on whoever's that quarterback, Tanner Morgan or Zach Ennistad, um, and those receivers really have to come to play. So I, I definitely think this—they're not going to get shut down. I don't think this uh, is that kind of defense, but um, there will be some opportunities there. It's just a matter of whether or not they can capitalize on it. Well, it's a good thing it's only going to be in the mid-40s and raining on Friday night, so, you know, that should that should just make it a perfect night oh, for the pass game. Is that, so that's the forecast for Friday's rain? Okay. Yep, we've got uh, a high of 51 and 60% chance of showers during the day, and then a low of 42 and 40% chance of showers Friday night. So uh, that's going to be enjoyable. Can, can anyone explain why we're playing on Friday night? Because Jim Delaney is a horrible, horrible human being. And I don't even know if this is going to get like ratings because what was the what was the Friday here's night the game here's the problem it does get ratings. Is are people really going to tune in for Minnesota? No, yeah, people are tuning people question. are tuning in for this bullshit. No. That's the problem. Yeah, and it, and that's the thing is they could care Delaney and the Big Ten could care less about the local audience. It's the guy in you know Kansas City who's like, oh, I want to watch college football because college football's on. Now the uh, you know, the Illinois-Penn uh, State game earlier in the year did fairly well ratings-wise. It also didn't have quite as much going up against it. Um, game 3 against the World Series will be on Friday night, as well as, you know, we're fully into the NBA end and NBA se- uh, NHL seasons. So, um, 
you know, it's not going to be the only thing on TV like some of those early season games were. Um, but that's the problem, is it still probably will get good enough ratings that the Big Ten will look and go, yep, we're doing this some more. Fucking Big Ten. Ah. All right. Blake, you're, you're a horror fan. You know how, like, you make one horror movie that's, like, kind of good. Let's call it, I don't know, Halloween. And then you're like, what if I make 37 more of them? And somehow, there's some audience who's like, I'm super here for Halloween 37. That's how I think of these projects. Honestly, that's a pretty apt comparison. I mean, because I think if you're familiar with, like, Blumhouse Productions, they do, like, the Courage movies, uh, Truth or Dare, the movies like that. There's people just, like, they make them for these micro-budgets, like, five or ten million, and just that they make it all back that first weekend. I don't, I mean, I, I don't understand people, but, yeah, it works somehow. So, of course, they're going to keep doing it. So, which is worse right now and deserves to go away more? Rob Smith's defensive schemes or Friday night football games? Rob Smith's defensive schemes. Yeah, because the Friday night games would be more tolerable if I didn't have to watch his defense. Fair. Well, the good news is, is that Minnesota did not lose to Nebraska in everything this weekend. Uh, the Gophers did come up with a big win at home against Nebraska in volleyball. Rachel's back with us to talk Gophers and wider Big Ten and national volleyball stories. Rachel, uh, after the weekend sweep, the Gophers are 10-0 in the Big Ten. Can you give a recap of the wins for anyone who didn't get to watch? Friday night, the Gophers got a sweep over Iowa, 25-23, 25-18, 25-20. Iowa's shorthanded. They're missing one of their outside hitters, Callie Hoy. She's really good. When they had upset Wisconsin, she had 30 kills. So Iowa was, you know, shorthanded. They didn't have the, you know, that offensive firepower that they usually have on the pin. But they still hit respectable. They had two four. They hit 242. But Gophers just too good. They hit 304, three hitters and double figures kills. Iowa though, I mean, they played great defense. They still they finished with 11 more digs. Minnesota, but, you know, you just can't, when all five hitters for the Gophers can, you know, go off some night or just, you know, turn into a normal night where they're hitting over 300 and still get, you know, three kills a set. It's hard to stop. So against Iowa, Alexis Hart led the way with 13 kills. Stephanie Summity had 12, and Taylor Morgan had 11, and all three of them hit over 300. Seliger Swenson has been phenomenal lately. She had another double-double. 42 assists, 10 digs, and 2 aces. She picked up her 5th consecutive Saturday of the Week honor from the Big Ten. She, yeah, I mean, she just watched her. She's incredible. Um, Reagan Pittman had a nice match. She had 5 blocks. And then somebody in CC McGraw had 11 digs to lead the Gophers. Obviously, the big match of the weekend was against Nebraska. Which, right off the bat, the Gophers dropped set 1, 25-19. And then rallied to win, you know, last three sets, 25-23, 25-23, and 25-18. You know, so far Nebraska has been the only team to even take any sets off Minnesota in Big Ten play. But the Huskers were particularly air-prone all night. They had 25 hitting airs, which when they lost the night before to Wisconsin, they only had 29 in five sets. So just, not, you know, terrible hitting effort from the Huskers. I mean, Particularly two hitters, but the one Lexi Sun 
She had nine errors and only eight kills on the night. So the Gophers out hit Nebraska 253 to 210. And they actually won the battle net blocking wise 8 4 despite Nebraska having Callie Schwarzenbach, one of the best blockers in the Big Ten. But it was, what was great to see from Minnesota against Nebraska is late in sets two and three, they had to, you know, kind of rally to get them over, you know, past Nebraska in set two. They were down 23-22, came back and won. And then set three, set was tied at 21-all, and Gophers went on to win. But Adonna Rollins was great. She, her only hitting error of the night came late in fourth set. So she finished with 20 kills and one error on 47 swings. She also had 14 digs for a double-double, which she's just, it's been incredible to watch because I went to one of the scrimmages in the spring, and I was just like, oh, man, she doesn't have a lot of power. She couldn't hit around the block very well. And then since she, you know, got moved into that sixth rotation spot, she's just owned it. And, you know, sometimes she's even taken the most swings of anyone on the floor, even with, you know, somebody in heart. But she's just been incredible for the Gophers. And, you know, it's really rounded out that lineup. There's no holes now. Like Rollins, somebody and Seliger Swenson also had double-doubles. Stephanie, somebody had 13 kills, 10 digs. Seliger Swenson had 47 assists, 13 digs, 2 aces. Taylor Morgan had a nice night. She had 5 blocks. She didn't have the best night hitting. I think she finished, like, hitting negative, but five blocks. And then Lauren Barnes actually led defenders with 19 digs and two aces, and then CC had 18 digs. We know the Gophers are on top of the Big Ten, but how does the rest of the conference look as we head into the final weekend in October? At the midpoint in conference play, Penn State's sitting in second at 8-2. and two. After, you know, dropping both matches in week one, they've been on a win streak. But I haven't really played anyone Besides Nebraska, but they've you know been doing taking care of business, picking up the wins. Um, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin are all seven and three, tied for third, and then followed by Purdue's tied with Nebraska, six and four in the conference. IU, Maryland, Iowa are all four and six. Michigan State, and Ohio State, three and seven. Northwestern is one and nine, which I think that one was against Michigan State actually, and then. Rutgers is winless so far. What were some of the key Big Ten matches over the past week? And what the heck was up with Nebraska getting swept by both Minnesota and Wisconsin this weekend? Obviously, the two Nebraska losses are kind of the headline of the weekend. But Illinois was able to beat Michigan in five, so they're kind of keeping pace. And they haven't been upset so far. Um, Wisconsin was able to avenge their loss to Iowa. But as I mentioned, Iowa was without one of their starters. And kind of a grudge match, you know, on the bottom of the standings. Maryland beat former head coach Steve Aird and IU in three sets in Bloomington this weekend. Yeah, as you mentioned, Nebraska is on a bit of a cold streak. They've lost four of their last five and three in a row, which is actually their first three-game losing streak since 1997, which is crazy. But they've just had a tough schedule lately. You know, played the Gophers, and they got a win against IU. And then they've been on the road at Penn State, at Wisconsin, and obviously at Minnesota. But, I mean, obviously, you know, three really tough teams on their home court. But they're playing very clean. A lot of errors. 
Uh, I mean, you know, in the Minnesota match, they had 25 hitting errors. And then against Wisconsin, they hit 087, which I think I saw some Nebraska riders say that's the lowest effort for a John Cook team since he's been there. So they just aren't playing very clean. And then, well, against the Gophers, as you saw, or they had trouble closing out sets late. So they're just trying to work together that lineup. They got a lot of new pieces. And obviously, they're, you know, Big Ten is just so, so tough. It's hard to get those wins, especially on the road. How do the remaining schedules of the Big Ten contenders kind of compare the rest of the way? Is, is Minnesota in a good spot, you think? Looking at the back half of the conference schedule, Penn State, and then if you want to count Michigan as a contender, since you know they're in third right now, they have two of the toughest back half of their schedule. Gophers looks pretty good chance they could run the table. They do have to go play in Madison next week. This weekend they're going to be in Michigan. Otherwise, they only face Penn State, and that's the last week of the season. Looking at Illinois, they have fairly easy on the back half. They do have to go to Lincoln. Play Nebraska, and then also face Penn State. So as I mentioned, Penn State's got a tough road. They play in Lincoln. They go to Illinois. They have to play Michigan and the Gophers and Wisconsin, you know, that last week of the regular season. Michigan, through the first half of Commerce play, you know, hasn't been upset, but they haven't upset anyone, so they lost to Nebraska, Penn State, and Illinois. But their back half is a gauntlet. They'll play Wisconsin twice, the Gophers, Nebraska, and then they play at Penn State. As for the batters, they pretty much have the same schedule as Minnesota. So Penn State and Michigan are kind of the bigger games. And then Nebraska, after you know this terrible road stretch in the back half, they'll face Illinois and Penn State at home. Looking beyond the Big Ten, what stands out to you nationally from recent key matches and the national polls? Starting with the AVCA poll, the Gophers are still at three behind BYU and Stanford. Um... Then, of course, still got five Big Ten teams in the top ten. Penn State's four, Illinois six, Wisconsin seven, Nebraska nine, and even Michigan's inching closer and closer to that top ten. They were ranked 12th, and then Purdue came in at 17. Some of the movement in that, or in the coaches' poll, Florida dropped after they lost to Missouri. And then, you know, Pac-12, it's like every week one of these teams kind of in the middle of the pack is sweeping you know, their weekend matches. So this week it was Washington State. They beat US, or then 14 US, USC and then 20 UCLA, so they moved up to 19. But to me there's no question the Big Ten is, you know, the better conference than the Pac-12. You know, obviously we've got five teams in Big Ten. And then Pac-12, after Stanford, their next ranked team is 15. But otherwise, right now both conferences have seven teams in the AVCA poll, which this week Stanford actually picked up two more first place votes, which I feel like the Gophers would be deserving because, you know, they beat all these other Big Ten teams that are in the top ten. Like, seems like something your number one team in the country would be doing if they're beating all these other ranked teams. And BYU, I don't even know if they face anybody ranked or if anybody else in their conference is ranked. And then Stanford isn't getting much competition. And even then, they're dropping more sets in conference play than the Gophers have. So maybe in coming weeks, some coach will be generous and give the Gophers a first-place vote. But BYU is still undefeated, as is Pitt, who is fifth in this week's poll. Looking at the RPI, Gophers are seven this week. 
Uh, the Big Ten has eight teams in the top 16. Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Purdue, Penn State, Nebraska. Which also, you know, these teams are all in the top 15 in the coaches poll. So it looked like maybe the Big Ten could have, or could host half of the NCAA sub-regionals for this year's tournament. So we'll just have to wait and see. Right now, Pac-12 only has three teams in the RPI top 16. If you want to watch the Gophers this week, as I mentioned, they'll be on the road in Michigan. But Friday night at 5 o'clock on BTN, they'll play Michigan State. And then Saturday at 6, they'll face Michigan, which that will be on BTN+. Awesome. Thanks again, Rachel. Andy, hockey. Hockey also was a good bright spot for us this weekend. Uh, the men uh, played a team, or I should say a school, that I didn't even realize had a hockey team, Trinity Western. I did get that right. Is that correct? Is that their name of their, the school that we played? That's correct, Trinity Western, which, um, well, let's just say they're not one of the best Canadian universities we've ever played in an exhibition game. But uh, you're right, the Gophers did get an easy 7-1 win. Um, they weren't really tested at all on Saturday night. Um, it's an interesting quirk of the scheduling that uh, they ended up playing Trinity Western at all. From from my understanding, is uh, uh, the the Lucia administration left a few holes in the schedule, and and uh, the Gophers had to fill in games pretty quick. And saw that Trinity Western was going to be in town to play uh, Friday night against Hamlin, and so they're like, eh, "You want to play us on Saturday? We'll throw you a little money." And uh, so that's how that exhibition game came to play. And and the Gophers looked like a much better team that. Uh, Wait, wait, we played a team because they were in town to play Hamlin? Well, apparently on the way out of the Lucia regime and the way into the Moscow regime, the the traditional exhibition schedule didn't quite get finalized, so they had to uh, do a little maneuvering, which is why you also saw the Gophers two weekends ago playing a road trip against the U18 team in Michigan because they sort of had to uh, scramble to find a hole to play that weekend as well. But all in all, it worked out for the best. Gophers got two easy exhibition wins, and they get back to uh, to real play, although only one game this weekend. Um, so for as much as you'd like to pretend it's normal, it's not normal because the Gophers will be playing Saturday night in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame game uh, against one of their arch rivals, North Dakota. So I'm looking forward to watching that game in Grand Four in Minneapolis. Oh, apparently they're playing in Las Vegas, Nevada, Saturday night. I'm going to skip past that and say Hamlin. Uh, what? I'm sorry, I, I can't get past that part. Uh, are, have they figured out, is that game going to be on TV in the Twin Cities? Uh, if you have cable, you're doing okay. Uh, the Midco feed is getting picked up by Comcast and Charter and one other ones, I do believe. If you have satellite, you're screwed. Um, or if you stream, not with a cable login, you're screwed. So uh, your only choice either to pay is... Uh, the twenty-two ninety-five or whatever it is for the uh, one-month pass of nchc.tv streaming, or uh, do what I'm going to do and uh, listen on the radio for free. Do you have anybody with a cable login you could just take? Uh, not that I know of. Pretty much all my people who I would look to get passwords and such from are all satellite people or have already cut the cord, so... Um, if there's somebody who wants to send along their, their 
Charter or Comcast or whatever login, I'm sure I'll accept it. Um, but otherwise, I'm I'm pretty sure I'll be able to find something else going on Saturday night that I can just keep uh, Frank and Wally on in the background and be perfectly okay. Well, to be clear, you two are famous, so you're being recognized on road trips as being members of this podcast, so I'm sure someone would be willing to gift it to you. Yeah, can we please talk about that? Because I think that's, that's like our 15 minutes, or I guess you and Andy's 15 minutes of podcast fame. I, I was not expecting to have someone recognize me and say it was because it's of the podcast, although I don't know that they did. They say it was because of the podcast, or that they listened to the podcast. Yeah, they said they listened to the podcast. They saw the picture we posted from Blue Bloods of us holding onto the chair, and then they uh, ended up finding it at one of Lincoln's fine establishments pregame on Saturday. So they recognized us from the uh, picture that was posted on the uh, Daily Gopher Twitter account, but the, they also said they were loyal listeners of uh, the podcast as well. So. Hi there, if you're listening to us today, we're sorry, we can't remember your names. We were both about, like, five beers in at that point, so... Yeah, I, I do feel bad about that, because I did want to shout like you Andy out. if you'd like Andy to remember your name, it apparently is twenty two ninety five for a one-month <laughs> subscription to the NCHC channel. <laughs> uh, and this is the part where I have to recognize that I don't know that Bob and Nancy were the names of the Nebraska fans sitting next to me. <laughs> I like how when in doubt they, you went with the most sttypically like middle American no, names you could come up with. Like, did you watch an American like Bob and Gothic Nancy. painting and was like, "That'll do"? They would fit right in. They were super wholesome Nebraska. And what I love most about Nancy, if that is her name, was that she literally just wanted to talk shop the whole time. She wanted nothing more than to share her vast knowledge of Nebraska football history. And was interested in every single detail about the current and former Gopher teams that I could drop her way. Like, she would elbow her husband if she thought he wasn't hearing me properly. It was super cute. Very friendly people. Um, All right. Oh, that's right. Hockey. We were talking hockey. Women's hockey. uh, Andy split Ohio State. And what was with those uniforms for anybody who had no opportunity to view uh, the women's hockey games, Ohio State wore some dumbass uniforms. Yeah, uh, the Gophers, they were number three in the country. Ohio State came in number four. Uh, Gophers took a 3 nothing uh, win. Uh, first shutout for um, Gophers sophomore goalie. Um, totally forgetting her name. You're just going to have to cut this. I'm going to start over. Yeah, it was a it was a three nothing win for the Gophers on Friday night, and then the Gophers dropped uh, the second game three two on Saturday. But yes, as as Chris said, the most interesting part of the weekend was Ohio State came out and uh, wore black uniforms with black numbers that were virtually unreadable from anywhere other than about two feet away. Uh, so much so that I'm sure somebody must have complained because Ohio State had to start the game on Saturday shorthanded. Uh, due to an illegal uniform violation. So um, the interesting thing going forward on that uh, will be that the Ohio State coach pretty much said post game that she didn't really care and they intended to keep wearing those uniforms on the road a lot the rest of the season. So, um, so they intend to take a minor penalty to start every game the rest of the season. I see that lasting about as long as the first time they get scored on during that minor penalty. I, I think that's definitely a, a possibility, but, uh, you know, uh, well, when it comes to Ohio State and hockey, they, they aren't exactly the 
traditional foes and do things traditionally. So, um, but the the Gopher uh, WCHA slog continues. Um, the Gophers played number four UMD two weeks ago, then got sort of an easy week against State College State. Number four Ohio State last weekend, and oh, it's only a trip to number one Wisconsin this weekend. So, uh, Gophers getting no favor with with the schedule gods, but it uh, it should be a fun border batter se- battle series. Um, Wisconsin moved up from number two to number one last week after previous number one Clarkson lost. So, uh, it's number three versus number one in Madison. Um, the Gophers went 0-4 in the regular season against Wisconsin last year for the first time in 12 years, I think, 11 or 12 years. So uh, Minnesota will definitely be looking to get at least one of those games in Madison to sort of snap that streak. Um, of course, the Gophers did beat Wisconsin in the WCHA title game to make the NCAA tournament last year, but in the regular season, 0-4 uh, for the first time in a very long time. So hopefully Minnesota can steal one in Madison and uh, look to take over first place in the WCHA. Excellent. It was also uh, kind of a big week so far for women's basketball. Uh, Street, you want to walk us through all the good news that uh, Lindsey Whalen squad got so far? Yeah. So first and foremost, the team has been picked to finish third in the Big Ten by the media. We're going to entirely ignore what they were picked by the coaches. And I would like to point out, uh, we are recording this on Tuesday, so uh, about one hour ago, Lindsay Whalen tweeted, still need a ticket for our home opener, question mark, well, more specifically, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, can't, none left. And while I would note for Lindsay that can't has an apostrophe in it, uh, we're going to focus on the even more positive news, which is that the home opener has been completely sold out against... uh, you know, New Hampshire. Noted powerhouse, New Noted Hampshire. Noted powerhouse. Noted powerhouse there. So that's incredibly exciting. Pick third, Kenesha Bell has been a consensus preseason All-American. Destiny Pitts is a media preseason All-American. Both have also been named to a variety of watch lists, which is uh, roughly as helpful in basketball as it is in football, but nonetheless still exciting that they're getting coverage. They had their first open scrimmage. It looked like it went pretty well. My sort of dark horse is uh, the new freshman Mercedes Staples, who I think could have a really big season, especially if she is able to hit three like she seemed to be hitting in the scrimmage. I think if you have the opportunity to get to a women's basketball game or a men's basketball game or both, you should. I think both teams are going to generally be pretty fun. The blog is going to start, uh, we already started today, Zips of Akron, our buddy who's occasionally on the podcast, began looking at the forwards for the men's basketball team. But we're going to begin more coverage of both preseason expectations as well as previews of the positions for both the men's and the women's team. I think there's a lot to be excited about by this women's basketball team this year. I think there is slightly less to be excited about by the men's basketball team. But nonetheless, both in both cases, I think Williams Arena could be a very exciting place this fall, winter, and hopefully spring. Predictions time. I hate to make the abrupt cut. I just don't have a good transition from positive to the fact that we got to talk about the Indiana game. Yeah, I got a prediction. <laughs> Go for it. My prediction is that I'm going to be incredibly annoyed by people wanting to bring back an administration that was catastrophically bad at their jobs if Minnesota gives up more than 30 points on Friday. 
aren't we already annoyed that people still want to bring back the Tracy Clay's regime? I mean, it's not like a certain Twin Cities media columnist actually called him up out of the blue to have a 35-minute interview with him and post a puff piece on him in the state's largest newspaper or anything, did they? Is that the guy who Jamie Lee Curtis shoots <laughs> in the third act of the new Halloween movie? I think so. I think you're pretty spot on. I saw that movie over the weekend, and I think I recall that scene. Wait, are we talking about the columnist is the guy who gets shot, or the old coach? <laughs> At this point, either. I, I was thinking more of the columnist, but it could go either way. Street, give me your prediction for... Uh, it's, a, it's honestly a little bit of a tough one. I think there are a variety of important variables that we don't know. We certainly don't know who the quarterback's going to be for Minnesota. I think that probably will matter. We don't know if the defense can give up less than 400 yards in a Big Ten game, so that will probably matter. I would like to think, because I am an optimistic fellow, and uh, this is a short week, that Minnesota is going to win a dogfight. If I had to give a prediction for points on that, I think uh, 31-28 Minnesota. But that is purely because I choose to be optimistic. I would definitely not bet that prediction. I believe currently they are two and a half dogs at home. Yeah, I also am just going to be optimistic because, I mean, what good is being pessimistic? It sucks and is no fun. Uh, so, staying optimistic, I'm going to go 35 to 31, Minnesota. Andy? Yeah, I at least got to get myself in the right point of mind to be optimistic going into the game, or else I'm going to be wondering what the hell I'm doing sitting by myself in the rain when there's like. You are the worst Alanis Morissette from the 90s song. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well. Did you attend Lilith Fair? Andy, is ironic. Don't you think? I, I was much more... A, a How many other people guy. cry whenever they but, see that puppies commercial? Um, <laughs> I just changed the channel because I can't force myself to watch it. Uh, my prediction is somehow the Gophers find a way. It won't be pretty, especially if the weather's god-awful, but uh, maybe they get a little bit of turnover luck with some slippery balls or something like that. But I'll go... Minnesota, 33, Indiana, 31. Blake, what do you got? Well, um, looking at the evidence, the Gopher defense is, is giving up an average of four three points to Big Ten opponents. Um, they've shown no signs of being able to stop a Big Ten offense, so until such time as they can prove they can do so, I can in good conscience, conscience predict them to win Uh, I'm going to go Indiana 38 Minnesota 21 you don't need to listen to your conscience all the time Blake I've got to man someone's got to on this podcast just just sit let the devil on your shoulder talk to you and sing sweet nothings about competent I don't know why he wants to listen to the devil from Indiana on the shoulder because there is no such devil for competent defensive schemings who wears maroon and gold Yes, everyone, be of good cheer. Do not let yourself be dismayed, except, you know, if we give up 570 yards to frickin' Indiana. On that, go Gophers. Skyima.
Roll the boat. Go, go for thrills the boat.